right, we are back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call. We're going to talk about the Q3 earnings season. We're going to talk about China and what's happening out there. And we're going to talk about the economy, financial conditions, etc., and how it relates to the equity market. And um, yeah, we're going to start with the earnings season, which has turned out to be quite interesting uh, lately. Uh, and this week is very pivotal, as we wrote in our equity note yesterday, which you can find on analysis on Saxo. And I should say, I'm alone today. I couldn't find a companion. So you'll be listening to me for 10, 15 minutes. And um, yeah, but back to the Q3 earnings season. So prior to yesterday's earnings from Microsoft and Google or Alphabet, if you will, um, we wrote about and we looked at the the different earnings. So around 18 to 19% of the companies um, in, in the Q3 earnings season, both in the US and Europe, had already reported earnings. And I mean, you know, things are looking pretty well. I mean, it's it, companies are not out there on average saying things are bad at all. Um, the you know, two for one in terms of uh, surprising to the upside on revenue growth against expectations for US companies, uh, significantly more mixed, I would say, in, in Europe. Um, but earnings this morning in Europe has actually been quite good. So I think that those numbers are changing constantly. So we, we shouldn't be too opinionated about where we end on the uh, on the earnings seasons just yet, but it it looks pretty well, and I think the the earnings we got from Microsoft yesterday, I mean, wow, very impressive, twenty four percent top line growth in the cloud intelligent segment, which is the cloud business, twenty four percent in constant currency terms, in a an economy where you have people saying that we are going into a recession. Well, uh, to me, it doesn't smell of a recession, and I think the I think the overall business performance of Microsoft, if, if we exclude the personal computing, which is hit like everything else in terms of consumer electronics, inflation, and then also because of the hangover that people, a lot of people bought laptops and PCs during the uh, during the pandemic. So that business obviously on a year-to-year basis is, is, is struggling. But I think Microsoft blowout uh, results, shares were up 6% in extended trading. And then on the flip side of that, Google missed against expectations on their cloud business. And um, so the, the point is Microsoft is taking market share. It's, um, they they're going to dominate uh, the cloud business together with uh, with Amazon and investors are afraid that maybe Google um, will miss or not be a dominant player. Uh, there will only be two dominant players and then Google will be the third uh, much smaller player in that industry. Um, Google, however, and I think that's one of the takeaways, positive takeaways, YouTube did better than expected in terms of ad advertising and then uh, Snap, um, which is also part of the online advertising ecosystem, also did pretty well. Um, and I think that's a positive sign for the equity market because advertising in general is a pro-cyclical component in the economy. If you have a positive outlook as a company, you do invest and you increase your marketing budgets. So I think actually the conclusion from what we saw from Snap and Google yesterday are quite positive. And we have Meta reporting today after the US market closed and um, they are expected to see almost 20% uh, revenue growth. So. We do have a comeback um, for those companies, and 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 will do well. And and then on the retail e-commerce side of things, um, Amazon will be report tomorrow. Uh, will be reporting tomorrow, and and I think based on what we have seen from U.S. retail sales, etc., and how the economy is holding up, I'll get back to that uh, later in the podcast. I actually think that we'll get good results as well from Amazon. But the the so far the earnings season has not really changed the equity sentiment a lot. I I think the the sentiment right now, as we've been talking about in the past two um, podcasts, both on Monday with Sharo and yesterday with uh, with Altia, 
it's really driven by the fixed income market and all the expectations related to potentially you know higher bond yields for for longer um that's driving the equity market and then uh, on friday we're going to have exxon mobil and chevron both companies have uh, launched um or completed or not completed but they have announced very big uh, acquisition of pioneer natural resources that's exxon's uh, acquisition and then his corporation is the acquisition from chevron and both acquisitions means that the the overall product or product portfolio if you will of chevron and, and exxon will be almost alike they're getting more assets in the uh, in the u.s shale oil uh, production areas they're both getting a stake in this new field in guana which is um um, which is really important um, going forward. Um, and then I was, I was looking at the numbers, I and mean, both Exxon and Chevron both were actually rumored to have, you know, been looking at assets in Europe uh, to acquire those. But the European oil and gas majors are really on a trajectory to transform themselves into renewable energy giants. And with the prices on renewable energy just not collapsing, but really being under heavy pressure, it seems like Exxon Mobil and Chevron have gone with the more secure bit that you know, oil and gas we will top out uh, in demand and we lately got the official um the official um long-term forecast on natural gas for, for uh, on the global scale um that we're getting closer to a peak there and we'll have very flat uh, demand developments in the decades to come because of efficiencies and the the war in Ukraine because of Russia means that Europe is transitioning uh, very quickly away from that trajectory we had before on natural gas and oil will also uh, soon hit a peak because of electric vehicles and and other trends but oil and gas is both very important. They will be here for some time. And if you look at a company like Exxon, if you look at that business over the past 12 months, you know they have a return on invested capital of 18%. And you know, a cost of capital close to 10%, that's a pretty healthy spread in a business that everyone agrees is, is going to die at one point. So um, I think the math checks out for these companies. Um, and then we have one news, um, very new news in the... In the um, earnings scene that we have to talk about before we go to China, and that's Worldline. So Worldline is a French-based uh, payments company. And for those that are invested in the payments industry, already know that the payments industry has been one of the worst performing themes or segments of the market for quite some time now, um, at least 18 months. PayPal, down a lot. ADN had the big hiccup earlier this year. Um, and then today, Worldline is is uh, coming out with results, and they also cutting their estimates for the fiscal year. They're talking about sluggish demand here in Europe. The stock price is down fifty nine percent. Well, that was what I checked on the Bloomberg terminal before I went into the studio here. And um, we don't have a slowdown in the European economy that equates to a sixty percent decline in Worldline's uh, stock price, right? So what is going on? Um, I'm going to write an equity note about this. My suspicion is that they don't want to say it because I think they're afraid of the narrative if that is the case. But I think actually Apple Pay potentially is killing a lot of these payment companies. Apple Pay was started in 2014 as a silent thing and now it has grown into a big monster. And I think it's, it's really evident now that it's, it's transforming the payments industry. Uh, significantly. So that's something uh, you should watch if you have exposure to these payment companies. And I would actually be quite cautious in buying into the dip a lot of these companies. Um, That's my two cents on that. China. So yesterday we had the surprise announcement that Xi Jinping um, had an official turnout at the People's Bank of China. 
that's the first time he has arrived and met the central bank since he took over as leader of China. That combined with a new reduction in the stamp duty in Hong Kong on stocks trading, um, different different tune towards the US in terms of trying to collaborate on some of the things that they disagree over, paints a picture of a China that is under pressure and acknowledge that it should change or reform some parts to get the economy going. So it, will will this work or not? Well, the Hang Seng equity futures were initially jumping higher on on the um, this this piece of news that, that basically hit the market. And what we have seen throughout the trading session is that the investors have basically sold off all those gains, and we are almost back to where we were the day before. My view is pretty simple on on China. <clears throat> so China is extremely fragile and vulnerable inside the fragmentation game. Europe and the US as well, because of the deep and intertwined uh, supply chain. So it's not only a Chinese phenomenon, but when you're a heavy export machine and you are engaging in a very, um, well, how can you say it? You, you're, you're engaging in a, in a trade war and uh, a realignment of global supply chains because of your friction with the US, it is going to hurt. And the high inflation that we're seeing in the world is also suppressing volume growth. That's also what we see in global trade data. So we consume the same or a little bit more in nominal terms, but in, in real terms, in the actual physical goods, it's down because of inflation. And that's have, that has impacted capacity utilization and, and growth in the Chinese manufacturing sector. And that is impacting the economy. Then they have the issues in the financial sector, large amount of, uh, of credit that definitely is not worth what they what it what it says on the on the balance sheet books of the banks. I've been hammering in this point for uh, for years that if you look at the market value of Chinese banks relative to the balance sheet, that ratio is just going down and down and down. So there is no absolutely no trust in in these balance sheet expansions that they carry any positive value in the future. And then we know all the troubles in the real estate sector. So China is facing very clearly a balance sheet recession, just like Japan faced in the late 1980s and. To make things worse for China, they also have a much more horrible demographic outlook here in the near term and in, especially in the medium term, which Japan didn't have back in back in those days. Um, they still had a positive demographic outlook, which now is obviously have changed. Japan's population is going to peak out now, if not if not it did so already last year, and and will will begin slowly to decline. And and so China is is facing series of very difficult decisions to be uh, to make in the future i think china is a very difficult country to invest in um if you want to have exposure to china i think one of the best ways to do it is doing it via proxies um companies that operate in china um but uh, and and you know you have luxury companies and could and, and it has to be it has to be companies with you know a limited national security issue related to it. And that, you know, semiconductors is a problem, obviously, because it's a national security issue. And that's why, you know, selling Coca-Cola or uh, selling sports shoes from Nike or Adidas, it's just easier. It's not a problem for, 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 for the Chinese leadership to have foreign companies selling simple stuff in China. So if you want exposure, and the same goes for luxury, you can argue the luxury potentially could be under pressure. It's not something that is seen as a positive thing necessarily by the leadership in China. So um, so that, of course, is also a risk there for the luxury segment, maybe medium term. But um, but the simple stuff, I think, works in uh, in China, but try to get it through proxies. Um, so that is publicly listed equities in the US or Europe. 
Okay, the final theme that we're going to talk about, as I said, is the economy and financial conditions. Um, we got the Chicago National Activity Index, which is the broadest measure of um, coincident economic activity in the U.S. Um, it tracks 85 figures or indicators on the U.S. economy and the three months moving average, which is the one the Chicago Fed is using as their uh, as their indicator, actually hits zero for September, which means that the U.S. economy is growing at trend growth. The U.S. economy, except for one month because of Silicon Valley Bank, has been accelerating in terms of economic growth since the start of the year. That is the story of the year. And J.P. Morgan has these wonderful now-casting uh, macro indices, both on the U.S. and European economy, and they confirm what we see in the national, uh, sorry, in the Chicago National Activity um, Index. So that, coupled with robust U.S. retail sales yesterday, confirms that the U.S. economy is actually doing quite well, despite of the, you know, current headlines of where we're headed and you know the penalizing high interest rates. Um, for now, things are still holding together. In Europe, things are a little bit more difficult, but I think J.P. Morgan's now cast indices and GDP growth, they are negative. So Europe is presumably in a, in a recession, but it's, it's, it's a mild recession at this point in time. Obviously, it's more severe in, in, in key areas of the German economy or the Dutch economy, but there are definitely other parts of Europe that is doing quite well, other industries that are still doing well. Um, the healthcare sector in particular is one of those that is doing quite well. And if you, if you look at, um, if you look at the, the, this J.P. Morgan uh, Nowcast, uh, GDP Nowcast Index on, on Europe, it is actually stabilizing, it's, it's flattening out. So it, there is not, a, uh, right now at least, there is not a deterioration in economic activity. And we got the IFO number today from Germany suggesting both on the expectation and the current condition indices that things have actually turned around and were slightly better than expected. So I think potentially that the difficult, the, the landscape here is getting very difficult for investors because on the one hand, Yes, we can see all the cracks. Potentially, we could have a recession. But then on the other hand, a lot of the, the current indicators are suggesting, you know, maybe we're not just going to get a, a soft landing. And if we get that, then interest rates are not coming down. We're not going to get the interest rate cuts anytime soon. So very, uh, very interesting times for equities. But if you do, if you invest in equities, focus on the, um, on the current earnings season. I'll obviously be talking about that on, on next Wednesday. Watch out for those earnings that... Um, that I talked about, and then, yeah, watch out for my my little equity note on the uh, the payments industry again. Uh, analysis that's Saxo, that's where we um, where we put stuff. But I think that sort of concludes today's uh, podcast. So um, watch the earnings season. Watch uh, earnings tonight. Meta, Amazon tomorrow, Exxon and Chevron on Friday. Watch Worldline in the payments industry, and then China. Get the proxy exposure via simple consumer stuff, not the advanced stuff, and then feel comfortable about the economy at this time and point that I think is my message today and uh, with that uh, thank you for listening and I'll be back next week thank you very much